Welcome to the FCBCNYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers. Yeah. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And we have those three words. And let me just tell you, live speaks to, no, wait, hold on. (laughs) Live speaks to how we really grow, nurture, develop ourselves spiritually. It's a component of the church. We engage in spiritual growth development through classes and opportunities for your own uh, uh, journeying. And then love speaks to the moments of fellowship we create in this church so that we can have some real human interfacing. We are in a digital age where sometimes we feel disconnected from other human beings. And so love is important. And then service is our community engagement. The most beautiful thing about FCBC, one of the most beautiful things, is that so many people in this city know us for being a church that does not neglect the community, that we are always giving and pouring into, and that really shapes who we are. Those are our core values here at FCBC. Our three core values. And what are they, family? Live, love, serve. The be human is no longer just a theme. Be human is our movement. It is what I believe is necessary in this moment where there is so much mean-spiritedness and hate, bigotry and narcissism rolled up in one. And, And I think it's not a political crisis. It is not just an economic crisis. We have a human crisis. And that's why we're challenged to remember our humanity, to be human, and to see yourself in another human being. And part of that, this theme this year is it's bigger than you. Learning really how to step outside of the narrowness of your own selfishness and realize and remember who you are called to be, not just for yourself, but for those who are around you. Everything you do has transcendent implications. That means it reaches beyond you and touches the lives of others. We started this year off in that theme, it's bigger than you, and the first Sunday was about courage. The second Sunday was about what? Self-doubt. Third Sunday was sacrifice. The fourth Sunday was anger. And last Sunday, Pastor Kendra and Pastor Dez talked about complacency. And that's a real important one because in many ways, success breeds complacency and complacency breeds failure. And we have to be mindful today, we're going to talk about joy. Joy. Amen. Good. So if you would turn with me to the book of Nehemiah in your app, in your phone, anywhere but maybe in the Bible. Who got a Bible with them? Let me see my Holy Ghost rollers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like six of us. As long as you've got a real big one. People with a big Bible scare me. <laughs> Nehemiah 8, 9 through 11. And here is the word of God. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, 
This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine. Somebody say sweet wine. Sweet wine. You do with that what you want to do with that. But. <laughs> and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you today and we honor you. And we're grateful, oh God, that you had allowed us to just gather in this space, in this place. God, thank you for these babies that are here today, for all the children that are in this sanctuary, oh God, because not only do we know that children are our future, but we are reminded of our responsibility to pour into them, oh God, to teach, to lead, and lead by example, oh God. But God, even now as we gather in this place, oh God, help us to zero in on our worship to focus on our opportunity to collectively come together and celebrate, oh God, who you are, and in particular, who you are in our lives. God, we thank you. We love you. We glorify you, oh God, for you and you alone are worthy. Do whatever you need to do, oh God, with these, your words, to get the glory, oh God. And we will be reminded of who you called us to be, and who you expect us to be, O oh God. Lord, this is our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. Remain standing. Let me read those verses again. Nehemiah 8, 9 through 11. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest, and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Do me a favor. Just turn to your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, your joy is bigger than you. Come on, turn to somebody else and tell them, neighbor, your joy is bigger than you. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You take your seat. Your joy. Your joy. Is bigger than you. I'll start this service how I started the seven or eight o'clock service. Uh, every Wednesday is our executive team meeting, and it is supposed to be a pleasant time, although sometimes it it is not always as pleasant. But on this particular day, this past Wednesday, uh, I came into the meeting with deep joy. 
I mean, I was excited to be there. My voice was elevated. My enthusiasm filled the room. And to my surprise, it was not reciprocal in the atmosphere. <laughs> I thought that somehow my joy would be contagious. But instead, I was looked upon strangely. My own son looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? Now, on some levels, I could have really uh, distanced myself from his statement and not looked inward and then looked at them and asked them what was wrong with them. But I realized that in some ways, his words reminded me and how surprising joy can be. And in some ways, they were surprised by my joy. Isn't it strange when people are surprised by your joy? It really talks about how infrequent your moments of rejoicing and celebration truly are, that people are caught off guard when you are moving, basking, glowing in your joy. That day, I was joyful because for whatever reason, when I was getting ready that morning, something hit me. It hit me because for years, many of you who have been here have seen and know of my health battles and my personal struggles with my health. And I know there have been more than a few times where there was a few folk who did not think I would make it. There were times I wasn't sure I would make it. But on that Wednesday, I got up and took a deep breath. And what ignited my joy was the gratitude that flooded my soul when I thought about the fact that I was alive. Oh my God, I know it sounds very simple and sometimes it don't sound like much, but there's some folk right now who won't see tomorrow. And it's not any indictment upon them, it's just the nature of life. And so I thought to myself that day, I am going to make sure that I celebrate all day at every point. And every moment I would celebrate. When I got in the shower, I was celebrating. When I put on my clothes, I was celebrating. When I got in my car, I was celebrating. When I pulled up, I was celebrating. They didn't realize that what they got was the after effect of the beginning of my gratitude. When I walked into the room, my joy didn't start there. It was now having an impact on the atmosphere because I was intentional about letting gratitude fuel my disposition. You see, joy ain't happiness. Happiness fluctuates with the moment. But joy says no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm in, no matter what the circumstances, I will remain joyful. I will rejoice about my joy. I will celebrate my joy. I will honor my joy. And I will make sure that when people meet me, before they see me, they feel my joy. That's the challenge. And yet, there are people who instead of filling the environment with their joy, they saturate the atmosphere with their misery. It is an old adage, but it is true. Misery loves. That's why it's oftentimes you don't find miserable people lonely. because they like to have gatherings around their misery. They send invitations to their misery before they send invitations to their joy. 
just this morning, I was told of something that happened in the front. When you come into the church, you see our greeters who are celebrating you as you walk in. And we do that intentionally so that you may have been a person who nobody ever cheered for you in your life. But when you come into this place, somebody's going to cheer and celebrate the fact that you entered these doors because we don't take that for granted. And while this morning, before the first service, our greeters were celebrating, and someone, some person who came in said, y'all look stupid. One of the greeters even got emotional. Which is why you got to be careful of the joy thieves. who will try to impose their negative, nasty self upon every space they enter. Just because you miserable, don't bring it my way. Just because you ain't feeling good about the day, don't bring it my way. You have to then guard your joy. It's not enough to be joyful. You have to be protective of your joy because joy robbers show up and they come to try to steal the happiness you have. That's why you got to remind yourself, I ain't going to let nobody, nobody. That's why the old folks just say, this joy that I have, guess what? The world and the world can't what? Come on, don't let nobody take, rob, steal your joy. Let your joy be the overflow of who you are. And guess what? Your joy ain't dependent on what's going on outside of you. It's all about what's going on inside of you. The world is collapsing around me, but I will bless the Lord. Things ain't going right, but I will bless the Lord. My family might be a little confusing right now, but I will bless the Lord. I ain't got a job, not sure about what the future holds, but I will bless the Lord. Because... Because blessing the Lord ain't about the next thing God is going to do. Oh, you missed that. I wish you would only praise God for the next thing. When I look back over what he's already done. Come on, I'm going to be churchy today. When I look back over everything that God has already done, I got more than enough reasons. To start a choir all by myself. I'll be my own praise team, my own choir, my own encourager, my own cheer, Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. It, it, it's amazing, though, sometimes when we look over our lives, they don't always inspire joy. Especially, like I said a few weeks ago, if you get caught in the comparison trap. Whereas that reflection should instigate your gratitude too often because we're caught in the comparison trap, reflecting births misery. Because you're looking at where other people are and what other people have accomplished and then you look at your life and you wonder why you're not as far as you should be. You start looking at other people you knew who came up with you and you start seeing their progress and you wonder why you are stuck. Somehow hearing about what is happening for them doesn't make you envious or jealous. It just deepens your stagnation. You find yourself not moving. Have you ever been there? At that point in your life where you started getting caught in the comparison trap and you wondered what was happening with you. You thought you were doing everything what was called the right way and yet you got what you thought were wrong results. 
You were trying to honor a particular path and then what you thought the outcome should be, the opposite manifested itself. And you crept into that dark hole of disappointment and discouragement because you saw people or you heard things that were a reminder of your lack of perceived achievement. And it gave birth to your own, not just misery, not just discouragement, but your deep-seated depression. Why, God, am I not further along? Why am I not where he is or she is? Why isn't the plan coming to fruition? Or deeper, why is the plan dying in front of me? And it is as if I cannot reach the spaces and places you have designed for me. Sometimes good news can have a bad impact, especially when the good news reminds you where you are not and, and, and where it reminds you where you should be. You see, when you read this passage of Scripture in Nehemiah, in some levels it seems harmless. Nothing is going on. But it is actually a time of celebration. Nehemiah, who is now, as the record says, is the governor, and Ezra is the priest. But Nehemiah did not start as the governor. Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the Persian king Artaxerxes. And one day the king of Persia saw Nehemiah's disposition and asked Nehemiah basically what was going on. And Nehemiah said that my city, my people are in ruins. My city, my temple is in ruins. And Artaxerxes basically gave Nehemiah permission to go back to the broken place and rebuild the walls. Because Artaxerxes saw his disposition and realized that he could have either coddled it, condoned it, or empowered Nehemiah to do something about it. And so he empowers Nehemiah to go back. He gives him passes so that if anybody tried to stop him along the journey, they would know that he had the king's permission to go back and rebuild the walls to his broken city. Oh, gosh, you got to see this. And so when Nehemiah speaks in chapter 8, he's no longer the cupbearer that he started as, but he went from cupbearer to now governor because instead of mourning the broken place, he decided to rebuild the walls to the city. Oh, you got to get that. It is easy to be stagnant because of your mourning, your grieving, and your misery. But there comes a point where God is waiting for you to do the work of rebuilding and also building in your life. How long will you mourn that which you have the capacity to rectify? How long will you be miserable about things you have the power to change? Don't stay stuck in the place that misery birthed and created for you. Look at the power God has given you to turn this moment around. Just because you're stuck here, you ain't got to stay here. Just because this moment is painful, you don't have to stay there. You have the capacity and the ability and the gifts to move from that place of stagnation into a place where you become the repairer of your own brokenness where you become the restorer of your own joy. So Nehemiah goes before the people as they were celebrating what God had done. And Ezra began to read the sacred scrolls. You see, the people had been in exile for 70 years and they were people who had forgotten the words of God. 
And there were people who were born in exile who never knew the words of God. Oh, you got to hear that. There were people who forgot and there were people who never knew. But as the people who forgot started hearing the words that came from the scroll and the law of God, they started mourning how far they had fallen away from God's mandates. They started grieving about how far they had fallen away because of their captivity and their exile. Think about it. Free people mourning the reality of their captivity in the midst of their freedom. You missed that. Come on. They free, but they ain't crying because of their freedom. They're crying because of what they thought they lost because of their captivity. And then realize that it was not their loss that should be mourned. It was their freedom that should have been celebrated. Oh, gosh, you'll hear this. And, and so now, and now the people are weeping and mourning and grieving because in the midst of what should have been celebration, they're thinking about what they lost. Oh, you got to get that. It's a good time but they can't even fully embrace the good time because their minds are still left in the broken place. Oh God, you gotta hear this. I need to help someone here. You can't even celebrate the good news because the bad news still got you stuck. You can't even embrace what God is trying to unfold before you because you're stuck in what you lost along the way. Can you imagine mourning over what you lost that you're not even open to what you're about to receive? You're so fixated on what was not, you don't even see what's about to happen. That you're thinking about what was lost in the process and the journey, what was taken, what was broken, what was now done to almost destroy you and now you still standing as a living testimony to your indomitable spirit and instead of celebrating the spirit of God that is alive in you you're mourning what you thought you missed so in the midst of their mourning it's not the priests who started speaking because the priest's responsibility Ezra was simply deacon king to repeat the scrolls you'll get this the priest's responsibility was to read the scrolls, okay? The priest's responsibility was to read the scrolls. But Nehemiah doesn't read the scrolls. He reminds them what the day is. You get this. The priests read the scrolls, but Nehemiah was walking with a testimony of how God had lifted him from being the cupbearer to the governor. You see, there are some people who are good at quoting scripture, but afraid to tell what the Lord has done. Nehemiah said, no, today is holy. Oh God, watch this. Today is a day that we ought to celebrate what the Lord has been doing in our lives. It is because it was a day of celebration that made the day holy. You missed that. The day was holy because it was a day to celebrate. Hold on. Okay, the day was holy because it was a day to celebrate, which might possibly mean that most days can become holy when you enter those days with gratitude and celebration. You missed that, that, that somehow you can transform days into sacred moments when you celebrate. Because that the sacredness and sanctity is the day is connected to your attitude of gratitude, connected to your celebration when you look back over what God has done in your life. That that means that every day has the potential to be a holy day if you remember to bless God at all times. That every day, is the opportunity to be a holy day, a sacred day. And Nehemiah said, no, nah. I like this. I'm going to let you all alone in a minute. He said, no, nah. mm-mm, mm-mm. This ain't the day. I can almost see the scene. I can see 
it's like Nehemiah told Ezra, just stop, stop talking. Don't, don't read the scroll no more. No, 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 no. Because these folk weeping because they think they losing. They need to remember they winning. He said, and so when you're winning, you don't mourn, you celebrate. Okay, you didn't get that. You don't celebrate, you party. You don't like that part. Okay. So it makes sense that when you leave here, you go to brunch and get bottomless celebration. Because Nehemiah said, go eat, drink the sweet wine, and then share what you got with those who don't have. Oh, you missed that. Because your joy is bigger than you. You should celebrate every chance you get when you think about how God has kept you. Henry Nowen said that every day you got to make a choice and choose joy every day. Here it is. Joy is what's left over when you think about where you should have been. Oh, God, you missed that. Come on, see, that means you got to pass. Joy is the after effect. When you look back where you think you should have been. Uh-oh, you missed it. See, there's some of us who should not be here right now. But what initiated your placement was grace, mercy, and love. And so when you celebrate, you're celebrating where you are right now versus where you could have been, you should have been because of what God has done. And nobody ought to have to encourage you. It is insane. I know some of us have grown up in conservative churches and backgrounds. I most certainly did. I grew up in United Methodist Church that wasn't very verbal in the expression of how God was in their life. But it is almost insane that someone has to remind you to praise God. In fact, before the praise team even sings one note, you should come into the sanctuary with the expectation that you're going to bless the Lord today. Because what the Lord has done in your life and you made up in your mind that today, if don't nobody play that organ and nobody beat those drums, I'm going to make a joyful noise all by myself because God has been too good for me to sit down on my praise. Here it is. If God has done nothing for you, you stay seated. But if you know God has blessed your life and God has made a way, you ought to let somebody know. Excuse me. I don't normally act this way, but God's been good to me. And I got to let somebody know what the Lord has done in my life. Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, I got to let you in on something. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, the joy of the Lord is my strength the more i praise the stronger i get and is there anybody here who's ready to get stronger in the lord look at your neighbor one more time and tell them neighbor when i praise i get stronger when i lift my hands i 
get stronger. When I dance my dance, I get stronger. And when I shout, I get stronger because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Watch this. I was, I was talking last night to Reverend Lakeisha. She's in D.C. for a conference. And, and she went out to dinner last night with uh, Reverend Dr. Cecilia Bryant. If you were at the inauguration, Reverend C. did the prayer. She and her husband, Bishop Bryant, and daughter, Dr. Tamer, were here a few weeks ago. And so she's like a spiritual mother and mentor to my wife. And, and they went to dinner, Sandra, at a place with live music because she understood that the greatest trick that the devil ever played on some of us to make us think that we don't party. But watch this. She dropped a line, heaven. When she said it to me, I literally almost ran off the road. Reverend C told her, the enemy knows that you got the victory. And he knows he can't take your victory. But because he knows he can't take your victory, he'll settle for your joy. No, you missed that. You must have missed that. He can't get the victory, but he'll try to take your joy. And you got to get up every morning and let the enemy know that you can't have my joy today. It belongs to me. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, I earn every shout. I earn every praise. I earn every dance. And is there anybody here who can give God some praise? This praise is for my joy. This praise is for my, I ain't gonna get it. This praise is for my joy. 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 This shout is for my joy. This shout is for my joy. This dance is for my joy. This dance is for my joy. Hey, it's mine. You can't have it. You ain't cried my tears. You ain't been through my hardship. This joy, it belongs to me. Can I get real churchy? When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hey, I'm a fan. Hey, my soul cries out. Hey, my soul, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. 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 
Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.